Merry Christmas. Good to see you this morning. I want to introduce to you a couple of my friends. Uh, this is Larry and this is Clay and uh, they're here to share with us today. I'm excited about this opportunity. Uh, Larry is a retired pastor. Now I use the term retired very loosely because for the last 22 years since he retired from being a full-time pastor, he has spent untold numbers of days and hours investing in the spread of the gospel, specifically overseas in several areas of Europe, through teaching in seminaries, through teaching in local churches, equipping young pastors to go out and plant churches, building church buildings. I mean, I could go on and on about how he has invested so much of his life in the last 22 years seeing the spread of the gospel overseas. In addition to that, he's invested here for the last 12 years, leading a life group as well as continuing to make trips overseas. He's been an amazing blessing. He has served faithfully as a part of our church family. He's a part of a, young, a, a group of retired pastors that I meet with um, regularly through the year for wisdom and support. He's been a huge blessing. I'm super grateful for him. Even more so, I'm grateful that when he was around 13 years old, he decided to follow Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And he's never turned back since. He's been serving the Lord faithfully for over seven decades. He's 85 years young and still after it. He's still about it, and I'm super encouraged to have been able to spend time with him. Uh, you know, he was 17 years old when he became the pastor of his very first church. And for over seven decades, he's been faithfully following the Lord. That's Larry. Yeah, pretty awesome. That brings me to Clay. Clay is 17 years old. No pressure. 17 years old, senior in high school, fired up about the Lord. He is excited about serving the Lord. He regularly leads his FCA group at his high school. He loves to share Christ with others. He's been digging into the Word. He's been spending time with me and some others around our sermon creative team where we're working around the sermon material. I've had a chance to kind of mentor him over the last couple years or so. And, and he, he came to trust Christ as his Lord and Savior when he was seven. He was baptized right here in our church, a part of our church family. And uh, I remember just three years ago in the month of December after a church service, Clay walking down to me after the service and saying, hey, I want you to know God's working my life and I believe he's calling me to be a pastor, to be an evangelist. And he's fired up about following the Lord and we get to experience some of the overflow out of his walk with Christ today. So there's Clay. I'm excited to hear about Clay today. Yeah, it's going to be fun. You know, what we really hope is that you leave today feeling joy, the joy of Christmas. We would really love that today. I want to share with you a verse of scripture that became the, the foundation for our conversation together and our preparation for this morning. It's out of the book of Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 2, verse 10. Zechariah is a little minor prophet in the Old Testament. And in Zechariah chapter 2, verse 10, this is what Zechariah says. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Version. You can find that there in your pew back. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 10. Daughter Zion, shout for joy and be glad, for I am coming to dwell among you. This is the Lord's declaration. 
The prophet Zechariah is proclaiming to the people of God that the Lord is coming to dwell among them and that proclamation should stir in them incredible joy. Now Zechariah is prophesying in a time of history when the people of God are in exile in Babylon. They've been there because they rebelled against God and God brought them into exile so that they would turn back to him. They've been in exile a while and now Zechariah is prophesying and he is prophesying during the reign of the Persian king Darius. Now that indicates they're at the, at the close of the exile and there are people that have been allowed to return back to Jerusalem among the Israelites. And so Darius, the king, is supporting groups going back specifically to begin rebuilding the temple. And Zechariah is chiefly concerned with encouraging the people in the rebuilding of the temple. Even more so, his concern for the rebuilding of their lives in preparation for the returning Messiah, for the coming Messiah. He is concerned about their spiritual lives being rebuilt prepared for the coming of the Lord when he would dwell among them. And so he encourages them to repent, to turn back to the Lord, to humble themselves and to experience the grace and salvation of God. Because Zechariah knows that if the people are ready for the coming of the Lord, that there will be something changing in who they are. In fact, in chapter 8 of Zechariah, he says that people from ten different nations will grab hold of the Israelite. And we'll say to the Israelite, we want to go where you are because we have heard that God is with you. When, when people find the Lord, they find joy. And we all want joy. Everybody wants joy. Nobody wants the opposite of joy. We want joy, but it's more than just a want. It's a need. God designed us to need joy, knowing he alone could deliver what we need. Jesus Christ says in John chapter 15 verse 11, These words I have spoken to you that you might have my joy in you and that your joy might be full. Jesus then says in John 16 verse 22, No one will take your joy away. God designed us to need joy, and Jesus Christ has delivered to us joy, real joy. The kind of joy that's permanent, that can't be taken away. And what we hope today is that you would find joy for today, joy for tomorrow, joy especially for eternity. God wants you to have joy. Christmas is about joy. Jesus Christ came just as was promised and he brought joy. If you just think about the Christmas stories, every one of the Christmas stories about which you are familiar is a story about joy. You think about Mary who was interrupted in her daily routines by the angel Gabriel and told, you're going to bear a son and that son will be the savior of the world. The one you have been waiting for. That had to be a moment of great joy. Well, Mary goes to visit her relative Elizabeth, who also has been promised a child. 
And when Mary appears in Elizabeth's home, Elizabeth, not knowing what's going on with Mary, exclaimed with joy what an honor it was that the mother of her Lord would come and visit her. In that moment, Mary knew that Elizabeth knew what was going on. The two of them shared amazing joy. And Elizabeth actually says that the baby she was carrying in her womb, little John the Baptist, leapt for joy in her womb when Mary came in carrying Jesus in her womb. Joy. Don't you know that when Joseph had the experience of Gabriel coming and saying to him, hey, it's true. Mary is bearing the child who will be the savior of the world. That in that moment, Joseph was relieved and full of joy that Mary had not been unfaithful. That in fact, God was bringing a savior for the world. Had to be amazing that night out in the middle of nowhere when the angels appeared to the shepherds and and proclaimed to them incredible news of great joy. And those shepherds went and found Jesus in Bethlehem. Had to be an amazing moment when the baby Jesus was born in that manger there in, in Bethlehem. Had to be incredible when Mary held her baby boy. When the wise men made their long journey from the east, had to be amazing joy when they knelt before Jesus and offered him gifts of worship. Every Christmas story is a story about joy because when Jesus came, he brought joy. Christmas is about joy, but there's so much more than just Christmas. Clay, share with us. What Christ has promised us is that the only true joy is found in trusting wholeheartedly in Jesus Christ. Psalms chapter 16, verse 11 says, you make, known, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with your joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. What may be confusing to some of many of us is that his birth led to his death, which led to the ascension into heaven. But it's very simple. When he ascended to heaven, he did not just leave. He promised us that he would be with us, no matter the trials, tribulations, deaths, or celebrations that we may face. No matter the mountains that you climb in your life, even if you're not an outdoorsy person, he he says he's going to be right next to you. You're not on one end of the room, and he's on the other. He's right in the middle, right with you, right by your side, and there is nothing too big for Christ. There is not one mountain that he can't climb or that he put in your place without a reason. He says, he says that we will find true joy in his presence. His presence. Now what does the Bible say about his presence? Well, in fact, it says many important things about his presence. Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I have overcome the world. In fact, he says fear not in the Bible 365 times. And I know that there's not, I know and believe that there's not one coincidental quality about God. There's 365 days in a year. Fear not one moment of your life. Fear fear not one day of your life. He says that true joy is only found in those who trust in Jesus. Now there are many people in my generation that, that are searching for happiness and fulfillment rather than true joy. They're searching for happiness and fulfillment in things like vaping, drugs, drinking, partying, followers on social media, but in reality, why does it matter how many followers we have on social media? 
Why does it matter? If we can spread the joy and the love that Christ has placed in our hearts, where it shall overflow in our lives like a river that never runs dry. For it does not matter how many followers we have, it matters how many followers he has. That's what we shall testify. He says these things just as they are written, and he doesn't lie. In reality, these things, all these things that bring, all these things of the world, all these things that, that we look for happiness and fulfillment rather than eternal joy, all they bring is brokenness and heartache. I tell y'all today that there's not one thing you faced that he has not been right there. He says that he is the way of life. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. He does not say I am a way. He does not say I am a part of life. He does not say he is a part of the truth. He says I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And he says those words just as they are written, and it is truth. He says that he has come to dwell among us and in us. But soon, and one day, one coming day, we will dwell among him, and we will dwell with him in his presence at that golden throne. That's what he says. In he and he alone shall we trust. In God we trust and that will never be taken out of our hearts and in our minds. But I want you to understand that the joy and fulfillment, true joy, true eternal joy and true eternal fulfillment that you find in your life, in your heart, cannot compare to the joy and the fulfillment you will find in heaven when you see him and you're in his presence. There is so much more to come. Will you experience that true joy? Will you experience the eternal joy in your life? And will you have that moment where you see him in his presence? Just as he has said, we are in his. Larry. Thank you, Clay and Kevin. You uh, young guys have shared about the joy that we have now. And uh, that joy is real, and it's wonderful, and your sharing it is well and good. But this old man is privileged to share with you that the greatest joy is still to come. The joy we experience now is just a taste of the joy that is yet to come. And that joy is experienced when Christ comes again, when we shall see him face to face. Now, that will be glory for me. When by his grace I shall look on his face, oh, that will be glory for me. Now, some people doubt the second coming of Christ. Other folks just deny that it's ever going to happen. But God's word proclaims that Jesus Christ 
will come again. It doesn't say if he will come again. It says he will come again. Jesus himself promised that he would come. And that promise is the promise of promises that Jesus made. Paul the Apostle confirmed his coming uh, in his letters. Simon Peter underscored it in his writings. And so for those of us who are Christians, this is our blessed hope. And it's not a hope-so hope, it's a no-so hope. It's not wishful thinking, it is confident, joyous expectation. So his coming is sure. Not only is it sure, but when it happens, it will be spectacular. Jesus, in describing this, said that the sun will darken, the moon will not shed its light, the stars will fall from heaven, the heavens will be shaken, and the seas will roar. A spectacular event. Paul adds to that and says that the Son of Man, Jesus Christ himself, will descend from heaven with a shout of triumph, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. John adds that when he appears, we shall see him as he is. Not as he was, but as he is. There will be a dramatic difference between his second coming and his first coming. He came to be a servant. He will come to be sovereign. He came in shame. He will come in splendor. He came a victim. He shall come a victor. He came to redeem us. He will come to reign over us. And every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. And he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus described his coming with two key words. The first one is the word power. Jesus said that he would come with great power. Paul describes that power and authority when he says that Jesus is far above all rule and authority, all power and dominion, far above every name that is named. Jesus Christ, when he comes again, will come with ultimate absolute power 
and authority. Now, our president is the most powerful man in the world, but his power is not ultimate and absolute. His power is limited in many ways. It's limited by the legislature, limited by the courts, limited by the media, limited by the voters. His power, the most powerful man in the world, is a very limited power. But Jesus is far above all that. He comes with ultimate, absolute power. The second word he uses to describe his coming is the word glory. Now, what does that word glory mean? Well, any attempt to define glory will be like defining the indefinable. You just can't define it. But here's one attempt to define the word glory. Glory is the beauty, the radiance, the glory of the, uh, the greatness and the majesty of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus comes, he comes with power and with glory. Now before the incarnation, Jesus Christ was in the form of God and had all the glory of God. But he laid that aside when he became a man. But now that glory has been restored. And when Jesus comes, he comes in the fullness of the glory of God. Now Bill and Gloria Gaither are prolific songwriters of my generation. And on one occasion a friend told them about a pastor who concluded his sermon on the second coming by walking up and down the aisles shouting, the king is coming, the king is coming. And Bill Gaither picked up on that and wrote that very night the chorus of a new song. The next day, Gloria wrote the stanzas of that song. And they together gave us what has become one of my favorite songs. This is what they wrote. I can hear the chariots rumble. I can see the marching throng. And <clears throat> the flurry of the trumpets sound the end of sin and wrong. Regal robes are now unfolding. Heaven's grandstand is in place. Heaven's choir starts to sing. Amazing grace. The King is coming. The King is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding, and now his face I see. The king is coming. The king is coming. Praise God. 
Praise God, he's coming for me. Now, get excited about that. Shout with joy. Rejoice. Be glad. The king is coming. There's a reason why Clay and I wanted to go first. <laughs> so good. Thank you. You were exuding joy. I mean, it was a joyful moment right there. So tell us what you're feeling when you feel joy. I feel joy and understand joy to be a feeling that is deep inside you. A feeling of well-being, a feeling of delight, a feeling of gladness, and on some occasions, feeling of exultation. And this feeling is produced in me by the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And this joy is totally independent of any and all circumstances. That's my understanding of joy, and that's the joy I have in Christ. Mm, that's good. And that joy is something you both have been experiencing and has made a difference in your life. You came to know Christ when you were seven, and so for the last 10 years, as a follower of Christ, just give us a little snapshot what difference joy has been making in your life. I think that there's there's so many, so many different things in my life that, um, that joy have played such a vital part in. Um, but one of the many things that it plays a part in is just an eternal perspective rather than an earthly perspective. Looking at everything with the, the eyes of God, as they say, and as he says, um, and not getting worried, not, not, not uh, being anxious or, or feeling lonely or, or whatever, because you know that there's a day coming, and he is coming back again in all glory and power. Um, so it just gives me an eternal perspective, and, um, and yeah, I just, it's awesome. That's good. That's good. What about you, Larry? What difference is joy making? Well, at this stage of, of life, uh, I perceive joy as being the strength of my life. It... Um, fortifies me against some of those things that senior adults confront, things like pessimism and, and uh, uh, despair or dis depression, uh, worry, anxiety. It guards against that. And it, um, it also uh, motivates and sustains as I continue uh, to minister. And ultimately, it's comforting to me as I confront my own mortality. Mm -hmm. So that's what joy that I'm experiencing now. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm 33 years older than Clay, and you're 35 years older than me. <laughs> And so you have a very different perspective of joy than we have in our stages of life. And so 
How has your view of joy changed over the years? Well, when I was younger, uh, I saw joy as something that was a result of uh, achieving or acquiring or winning or succeeding in life. Uh, but later, I came to see that that was all about me, what I was doing in the circumstances. And later in life, uh, I came to see that joy is not about me, it's about Christ and about my relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. And through, through relationship with Christ, you both have walked into circumstances of life and in those circumstances, you've had moments of joy. And so, Clay, could you share with us one experience where you've had, you know, an experience of great joy in your life? Absolutely. So, uh, there's, there's, as I said before, there's many times where I've experienced um, times you don't think you can get through and things that you don't think are, you think are unbearable. Uh, but when I, was, when I was 11, in 2013, my grandpa passed away. And... Um, and I didn't know why I was feeling joy instead of heartache. And, um, but, but in reality, what I realized is that I'm not looking at the things that he took away. You look at the things that he's blessed you with and the years that he's blessed you with and all the different things that he's gifted you. And um, I looked at it to where I knew where he was going. I knew the exact place he was going and I, I couldn't help but feel joy. I couldn't be sad because I would rather have him in heaven than him on earth and he's right he's right in the presence of God and I can't complain about that um, but joy I had to be joyful for my family I did joyful for people around me and uh, but but it was still hard it was still hard but feel joy because you you know where they're going yeah. and you know exactly what is you don't know his plan but you know that his, his plan is perfect yeah. and you can't complain about it yeah the promises of God so, again supplying absolutely. joy in your relationship with absolutely. the Lord it's good Larry, what about you? Time when you've experienced great joy. Well, the, the time that first comes to my mind uh, was Christmas Day, December the 25th, 1960. Uh, yeah. After our... Uh, you don't remember 1960? No, nah, it was just a couple <laughs> years before. <Okay>. <laughs> uh, to continue. Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> my bad. Uh, after, after our first child was born, uh, for many years after that, we were unsuccessful in having another child, which we wanted dearly. Uh, we went to specialists to see uh, what was going on here, and after uh, several tests, he concluded uh, his report, and these were his exact words, he said it is a absolute medical impossibility for you to have any more children. Well, we continued to pray that God would give us more children. And uh, a few months after the doctor told us that, my wife became pregnant. Spring of 1960. Baby was to be born in December, so we were looking forward to that to our second child. Uh, on Christmas Eve, we had uh, Christmas with both our families, uh, and during the evening, my wife began to experience labor pains. 
And as they intensified, we took off, went home, and Santa came early that year. We got our daughter up at 2 a.m. Uh, to see what Santa had, had brought. Then we took her to a friend's house, and I rushed my wife to the hospital. At 8 o'clock on Christmas morning, our baby was born, a beautiful girl whom we named Joy. She is our Christmas joy, our Christmas miracle baby. Now, in the, in the few years following that birth of our miracle baby, we had four more miracle babies. <laughs> and finally, I had to say to God, enough! <laughs> You've made your point. And so that's my moment of great joy. We were elated that's on that so Christmas neat. morning. That's so neat. One of the things that we really want for each of you is for you to experience the joy of Christmas. To know the joy of Christ's presence through his Holy Spirit indwelling you because you've believed in Jesus Christ and received the greatest Christmas gift of all. Salvation. And we want you to experience the fulfillment of his promise to come again and to bring eternal joy. We, we don't want anyone in this room to miss out on that. And so, Larry, can you just share with everyone how we can make sure we're not going to miss out on that? Uh, well, I shared about the second coming, the joy of the second coming. But his coming will not be joyful for everybody. Uh, if you have not by faith received Christ as your Savior and Lord, that day will be a day of fear, a day of regret, and a day of judgment. So it is important, imperative, that we prepare for that second coming, and the second, so there will be a joyful occasion, and we prepare for that by faith, receiving Christ into our heart and life as Savior and as Lord. So if you have not made that important decision in your life, we encourage you to receive Christ today, to enjoy his presence in your heart and life, and to look forward to the joy of his coming. I hope you know that Jesus Christ wants you to experience great joy today and in the days to come and especially eternally. He wants you all to experience joy and that's why he came and gave his life on the cross, rose again from the dead to demonstrate that he's overcome sin and death so that if you put your trust in him, you will have eternal life and with eternal life comes eternal joy. Jesus wants us to have joy. We hope and we pray that you will make the decision to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and find Christmas joy 
Find more than just Christmas joy. Find eternal joy. We are convinced that if everyone in this room understands the significance of eternal joy, that Jesus is coming again, and that because he's coming again, we can have eternal joy. If we understand the significance of that, it'll change our lives. It'll change the way we live. It'll change the kind of purpose we live with. It'll change the perspective we have on everything. And I can tell you, Jesus is coming. He is coming. Amen. If you read the scriptures, you will see again and again the scriptures testify, prophesy, promise that Jesus is going to come the first time. But did you know that for every one time the Bible says Jesus is coming the first time, there are eight more times the Bible says he's coming the second time? You can rest assured he's coming again. And we should not miss out on eternal joy when he comes. Trusting in Jesus Christ for your salvation is the way to eternal joy. This is the way to eternal joy.